Amen. Good morning, church. How are you doing this morning? I don't know about you, but I'm so excited. I'm so delighted, just like David. The Bible says what David said. He said, I was so glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. For me, Sunday is my best day of the week. And um, we just want to bless God for his presence and for his anointing. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful atmosphere. And um, before I go further, I want to appreciate, uh, celebrate, and honor our pastors in the house for this wonderful privilege to share the Word of God. But beyond the privilege, I consider it such a blessing to be a part of this awesome assembly. I want you to help me celebrate Pastor Chris and Pastor Sandy for... We can do better. We can do better. I want to see some blushes this morning. We can do better. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus and celebrate them. I want to thank you for your personality, your character, for your love, for your commitment. When I came to the church the first time, I went on Google I was just looking for a church five minutes from the house. So I told the family, we're going to go church hopping. So we go to three or four, and then we'll make, our, we'll make up our minds. And so we came to family church. We didn't meet them that day. But then maybe we got lazy the next Sunday. We came back. And then I met Pastor Chris and Pastor Sandy. And um, I, I was just blown apart. I saw the pastor rolling the cables after church, and that tells me about a pastor that is humble and hardworking. And from the first day, Pastor Chris kept asking me about my job, my career. The next week, he kept asking, despite him being busy. And let me talk about Pastor Sandy. She said she was going to pick up the kids for a picnic, and I really didn't believe them. <laughs> So I told the kids, if she doesn't show up, it's okay. <laughs> I was already getting their minds ready to be disappointed because it's not normal that the pastor comes over to your house to pick the kids for a picnic. So when I saw her at the door, I got ready quickly because I know my little daughter, Debbie, she's a handful. <laughs> And, you know, that tells me about how much they love God's people and how much they are committed to God's work. So I want to celebrate them one more time, please. And all the wonderful people here, all the wonderful people, David, Alice, you know, the old man. I wouldn't say the old man, the youngest member of the church, David at 87, rolling cables for the Lord. I mean, it's just an awesome privilege to be part of what God is doing here. And this morning, I've got 35 minutes. I don't know how to, okay, I'm not good at this. I'm good at other things, but this is not. <laughs> okay, yeah, I would say I've taken two, three minutes out of that. How many of us are really hungry for the Word of God? You know, I've enjoyed myself so much for the past few weeks because we have been talking about prayer. And prayer is one of those things that I am so passionate about. 
You know, for prayer, prayer for someone is like making requests unto God. But prayer for me, from my perspective, is fellowshipping with God. There's something about when you step into God's presence, when you just have that alone time with him. And it's been exciting listening to different speakers and teachers and pastors talking about prayer from different perspectives. I love the one when Pastor Sandy was talking about ambushment. You know, I love action films. My wife, she loves romance and all of that, but I like it, you know, a little loud and noisy. So when she talked about ambushment, I could figure out what she was saying. And also last week talked about intercession, standing in the gap for someone. Pastor, um, the pastor from Havana, he talked about, um, Pastor Steve, yeah, he talked about an awkward situation when you get into the spirit and you begin to speak in a language you literally don't understand. And then also Pastor Stu talked about us flowing in a different dimension of prayer, you know, and it's so painful that we have to bring this to a close because I believe God is leading the church into a new direction. But I just want to cap up what I have received in this past few weeks concerning prayer. And so I have tagged this message, wait for it. Please help me look at someone beside you and say, wait for it. You know, I'll quickly go into the scripture, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. It says that they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You know, can we be together this morning? If I'm a little bit too fast, just tell me to hold on, okay? <laughs> so, um, there's just something about prayer. Prayer is not just when we make requests. Prayer is when we spend time in God's presence. And I'll start by trying in my little way to define what is waiting. I checked up the dictionary, and the dictionary helps me to understand, to say that waiting is the action of staying where one is or delaying action until a particular time or event. In other words, waiting is a deliberate or an intentional activity. It's you being conditional to say, I'm not moving from here until this happens. Amen. So waiting is not when we have nothing else to do. So waiting is deliberate. Waiting is you and I taking a pause out of where we sh- what we should do, where we should go. To stay, say, I'm going to wait for this. Look at someone one more time and say, wait for it. Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus is saying here, he said, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. In other words, Jesus was saying that, I know you're good to go. I know you're excited. I know you believe in yourself, but there's one more thing that you need. And you need to wait for it. You're going to wait in in Jerusalem until you receive that empowerment. Waiting is not necessarily a period of idleness. 
but it is an active state of readiness and preparation for the next sequence of events. In other words, waiting is not because I'm bored. Waiting is not because I've not got anything to do. Waiting is something that I am intentional about. Jesus encourages disciples to tarry. The word tarry can also be like wait. He encouraged themselves, them to wait in Jerusalem. And we know from the Bible in the Acts of Apostles that that period of waiting involved sessions of daily prayer and communion unto the Lord. So they were not just like, oh Lord, when is it going to happen? I'm bored. They were not just marking the days. They were actually doing something. They were gathering together in prayer. They were gathering together. They were bonding as a team. They were keeping up their hopes and their expectations. There was something that needed to happen before they leave that phase. To wait is to prepare. To wait is to pray. To wait is to depend on God's grace and empowerment for the next level, the next assignment. To wait is to depend on God for strength in a new day. In Luke chapter 6 verse 12, we see the example of Jesus himself. The Bible says he prayed, he waited all night in prayer. Jesus was going to do something that was so fundamental Something that was foundational to where we are today. He was going to elect 12 people that will carry the the mantle of the gospel he was preaching. He needed to be accurate. He needed to be in the spirit. He needed to be best prepared. And what did he do? He waited on God all night. I need someone to know that it's not about what you need to do in a hurry. It's about, the question is, do you have what you need for that next level? Are you ready to wait for it? The next morning, we understand from the Bible, he was full of the spirit. He was full of insight. And if you permit me to say, he was full of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says he was empowered to commission his 12 apostles. It's just like you want to make a big decision. You want to make a big commitment. This is not something we're going to get into casually. Jesus spent all night to prepare himself for that moment. We live in a country where every second counts. You pay, I mean, you pay for every breath you take. You go on vacation, you pay your rent. You go on holiday, you pay your gas bills. Nothing waits for you. So I understand in this country how time is important. But it's important before we step out into a new day to get what we actually need to make that day what God has designed for it. My question for us as we go further in this message is, is it worth the wait? I mean, you're already behind time. There are very urgent things that you need to do right now. But the question is, is it worth the wait? Life in our generation... It's full of so much pressure and so many demands. There's literally no time to waste or perhaps just enough time to catch your breath. There's just that Sunday afternoon when you can go to the park. Some of us have lost that already because we are napping that same Sunday afternoon. (laughs) 
So many years ago, I'm an ardent Chelsea fan, and I never missed their games. So I was in a church. I was an associate pastor. I was in the resident pastor. So I had someone over me. And my life was well organized. You know, every Sunday, I would go to watch the premiership football. In fact, my wife knew that that was, that was my thing. But when I was sent out to plant a church, my responsibilities changed. My Sundays was more of sleeping. And things came to a level. One day she called me and said, oh, they are playing. I can hear them shouting. Chelsea's playing. I said, don't worry. I'll catch up with them after I have my sleep. So I know what it is when you're under a lot of pressure. But the question is, is it worth the wait? Mary and Martha, they received Jesus at their residence. And while Martha was busy running around to arrange material items to entertain Jesus, Mary sat at his feet and Jesus began to teach. He taught that spending more time in God's presence is more important than running after mundane issues. A busy CEO in our generation knows the benefit of taking a little time into planning a schedule. No matter how busy you are, the smartest thing you can do at the start of the day is to write out the things you need to do. So I'm not good at writing. I have this file on my um, laptop. Every morning, every day, I write the list of things that I need because sometimes I forget. Sometimes it seems as if you're taking more time, but you're actually saving yourself a lot of stress in the long run. If a, if a secular CEO, someone who is not saved, does not have Jesus, does not have the presence of the Holy Spirit, if he understands how important it is to have a well-organized schedule, how much more for you and I, children of God, as we get into our day, how much more is it important that we spend that little time to wait on God? And I'll tell you something. There are some things in life that don't get done in a second. Some things take time. Look at someone and say, some things take time. So many, um, few months ago, I was in Coventry. I went for this program, and we had this preacher from Jamaica. And I could never forget that message. He spoke about jerk chicken. And one of the things he said about jerk chicken, you don't just get to do it in 15, 20 minutes. You've got to mix this, mix that. You've got to marinate it. You know, there are some spices. He gave the example of his mother would marinate it over the night. And some things are in life are like that. You've got to marinate it. And guess what? That week, everywhere I go, I kept hearing a, a voice behind me saying, jerk chicken, jerk chicken, jerk chicken. Praise God. But the point is, some things are important and they do take time. Prayer is one of those things that we cannot afford to skip over. The call of nature breaks every protocol and tops the list at any given time. No matter how busy you are, when you feel the urge, you know you got to go to the restroom. And my question for someone, how about the call to prayer? Is God big enough? Is God great enough to interrupt your schedule? I want to encourage and challenge someone that 
We do not put God in our schedule. We build our schedule around God. There are many people who give testimonies. I should have got on the plane. I was rushing. I missed my plane. And then the plane crashed. Sometimes you have a little delay, a little bump on the road, and you just don't know that's the mercy of God to preserve you. Sometimes you just run into an uncomfortable situation. Somebody wastes your time for five minutes, and that's just God processing your path to bring you into his purpose. So I want to challenge us to put God, to build our schedule around God. Don't let anything or anyone take the place of God in your life. Matthew 6, 3, 3 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and every other thing will be added unto us. And then I move on to say, if it is worth the wait, what is the wait, W-E-I-G-A-T, of the anointing? Because every time we spend time in God's presence, every time we fellowship with him, there's an anointing that rubs off on us. The truth I understand is that as believers, we are not designed to operate outside of the grace of God. I know we watch a lot of superhero films. You know, I'm getting tired of all, you know, you can predict the stories. You've got Batman, you've got Superman, you've got Flash and all of them. And in our generation, more and more people are trying to be what they really are not. God didn't design us to function outside of his anointing. Amen. It says, we have received the power of God's grace through the Holy Spirit to fulfill who we are and what we are called to do. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you and then you can become witnesses. So you don't go to be a witness without the power. Many people get saved they got born again. They want to live victorious lives above sin. They want to love God. But the truth is, the power and the anointing to be who he has called you to be, we don't go for it. We don't spend enough time with God to receive what he has freely given to us to overcome the challenges in our path. And so I want to ask somebody, what is the weight of that anointing? Moses understood the difference when you carry God's presence. The Bible says in Exodus 33, verse 14 to 16. Exodus 33, 14, it says, My presence will go with you and will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If your presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. I'm sorry, I love KJV. I'm kind of old school, so <laughs> that makes two of us. <laughs> There's just something about KJV. <laughs> For we- he said, what? English. English, yeah, I just love it. It says, "For where it makes me feel spiritual, actually." <laughs> it says, "For where ain't shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight?" Is it not in that thou goest with us, so shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth? Moses was saying, how are we going to be different from the people we meet? 
How will they know that we are Christians? How will they know that we are a peculiar nation, a chosen generation? We can't live here without your presence. But today as believers, we allow the pressures of our circumstance or situation to push us out of God's presence. We go out into the world. We expect to have victory. But we don't go for the anointing that will make us to be different. When there's something about when you have God's anointing upon your life, the Bible says concerning Samson, he was a giant killer. He slew so many with the jawbone of an ass. But Samson, without the anointing, was an ordinary man. The same thing about David. He was an ordinary shepherd boy. He couldn't even manage to carry the coat of armor from Saul the king. He had just a slingshot and a few stones. But guess what? Even if all you have is a slingshot, but you've got the anointing, that is enough to bring Goliath down. What killed Goliath? was not a stone, it was the anointing, the presence of God behind that slingshot. I'm always careful when I meet someone who understands God's anointing. You may look at that person and say, he's just little, oh, he's not significant. But as long as he or she has the grace of God, anything is possible. Peter was fearful and shaky as a reed. To the extent of denying Jesus. But when the anointing of the Holy Spirit came, he became bold. He spoke like a lion. The Bible says in Acts 4.13, he said, When they knew that they had been with Jesus, they could tell that change in his speech. They could tell the change in his attitude. Something had happened. That thing that happened to them at Pentecost can happen to you and I every day of our lives. There's something about the anointing that we can carry into our world that will make a difference. Mary was a virgin girl of little consequence, but the Bible says when the Spirit of God overshadowed her, she conceived of the Holy Ghost to birth the Savior of the world. You may feel that what you carry is of little value, but when the anointing of God comes upon it, oh my gosh, it's going to make so much difference. Someone may say, I'm insignificant. I'm just in a corner. But God has positioned you to become the light of your generation. You are a city that is on a hill. Your light cannot be diminished. Your light cannot be dimmed. There's something about when the grace and the glory of God comes upon your little. Oh my goodness. And so I want to ask you today as we go further, within or without, would you, would you rather carry that anointing, that fire, that grace within you, or would you go without it? Help me ask your neighbor, within or without? Because there's something about when you're in a hurry, you just want to get going, it doesn't matter, sometimes... You know, there was a day I was almost in the car. For God, I, had, I didn't have my shoes on. You know, anybody like me, you know. My kids, they go to school like 8, 8.30, you know. And then it's always that rush. And all kinds of things happen. That was this day I was already in the car. I didn't have my shoes on. I was like, oh. There was this day I went to a city called Crawley. I had an exam there. I was to take a train down, and then I missed the train. So I had to drive down. 
I had the exam, had a nice time, and it was time for me to go home. But somehow, my Google map didn't come on. I did everything that I could do. Uh, uh, switch off the phone, switch it back on, check my battery. I couldn't get it on. So I was stuck in the car for 30 minutes. At the end of the day, I gave up. I had to call my wife. I'm not going to be able to pick the kids. I'm stuck in Crawley. You're going to help me go over and pick them. You know why? Because I didn't get a signal. There are some things that you can't do without. I couldn't drive my car all the way from Crawley back to Waterlooville because I couldn't get signal. Couldn't get the app to work. And that's how it is when we go into our various adventures without the Holy Spirit. Without that presence. Without that anointing. I was stuck there. If I had that app, I had all possibilities. I could change my mind and visit London. But as long as I didn't have what it took, I was going to be powerless in that situation. So I want to ask somebody, are you going to have him within you or without? At every point in time, God makes a provision for his people. He provided the ark for Noah. He led the Israelites by a pillar of fire and a cloud. He fed them with manna and quails. He preserved Elijah through the raven and the widow. He protected Jesus, Joseph, and Mary through a dream. Whether through the rod or the staff, God by his spirit is said to lead us, to empower us, and to provide for us. In every situation, he always makes a provision. In every temptation, he makes a way of escape. As we begin a new day, a new assignment, a new project, and a new week, how much time are we prepared to spend in waiting? There's no such thing as being in a hurry when you want to put on the heater or the boiler. You've got to give it time. You want to have coffee, yeah, you plug it, but you've got to give it time. So the question is, how much time are we ready to dedicate upon waiting on God? The Bible says concerning the apostles in Acts 13 too, it says, while they prayed and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. So while they waited on God, God gave them direction. He says in Jeremiah 33 verse 3, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not. To step out of the ark of God's presence without God's leading is to begin a new adventure without divine direction. You're going to be like me, stuck in Crawley without Google Map. I know there are signs on the road, but have you ever seen people reading signs on the motorway? Driving at 50, 60 miles per hour. So I'm asking you, are you going to wait or are you going to go ahead without the anointing, without God's presence, without God's guidance? If you're like me and you've learned your lesson and you know that it's always better to have God on your side, I would say to you, let us wait. How do we wait? Waiting is to seek God's face in prayer. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 7, 
and verse 14. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn their weak from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. It doesn't matter how far in the wrong direction we have gone. He always knows his people. He said, if it's my people, don't ever try to look down on them. Don't try to fight them. Don't put them in the corner. Because the day that my people realize that they've still got that connection, if they come back to me, if they humble themselves and pray, they're going to get results for their prayer. You know, there's something about the people of God. Sometimes he will use the um, idolatrous nations to punish them. But whenever the people of God turn to God, he always shows up with his mighty hand. The Bible says we should come to the throne of grace in our time of need. The fact that you've got an issue makes you qualified for the grace of God. The Bible says his strength is made perfect in our weakness. He didn't say you should try to do it all by yourself. He didn't say you should fight the battle all alone. He says, call upon me and I will show up with the host of heaven. I don't know about somebody, but I feel that we need to begin to spend quality time in God's presence. Sometimes spending time waiting on God, it's not just praying and saying, God, give me this, give me that. Sometimes we just want to commune and fellowship with God. The other day in the, in the heat of summer, I ran from the streets and I went into the mega store. I wasn't going to buy anything. I just needed a break from the hot sun. And I was like, oh my goodness, thank God for this wonderful store. They got some cool music, got the AC on, and I just kept walking around the, <laughs> the various aisles. Sometimes you just want to step into a good place in winter. I'm going to make a note of those stores that put on the heater. You know, sometimes it's not because you want to buy something. Sometimes I'm going to pray to God, not because I want to ask for something. I just want to fellowship. I just want to get myself into that spiritual atmosphere. I just want to connect to God to receive more of his nature. The Bible says that to wait is to make a spiritual connection with God. Just like a direct Wi-Fi connection, we need to regularly plug into God's presence through prayer. When we tarry in God's presence, we generate the much-needed spiritual power and grace to effect changes, to move mountains, and to tame lions. James 5.16 says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Another translation says, Makes tremendous power available. Sometimes I want to go out. Sometimes I want to go visit John. I've got his postcode. But if my phone battery is down, I've got to start the car, charge the phone, generate the power, and then move into the journey. And sometimes as a believer, you know that you're not having that anointing like you should. You know that you're feeling weak, tired, and tempted on all sides. Sometimes it's okay to take a pause and recharge that battery. 
Sometimes you need to be like David. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. I like to translate it into my generation. It's not like he sat in the corner and said, God, I'm waiting for you. Speak some nice words to me. In our time, David went into the presence of the Lord. And he began to speak mysteries in the spirit. Just like the apostles in the new age. When they were taken captive, the Bible says they gathered in one accord. They lifted up their voice unto God and it says they were filled with the spirit and they received the spirit of boldness. Greater is he that is on the inside of you than he that is out there in the world. But sometimes we need to stir up that greatness in the place of prayer, in the place of waiting. When we pray, we are changed into the very nature of God by his spirit. It says in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, we all beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. We are changed into the same image from one level of glory to glory, even by the spirit of God. So when I pray, it's not even what I'm asking for. I'm taking more of that boldness from God. I'm taking more of that wisdom. I'm taking more of that supernatural ability. No wonder Jesus would go and he would perform all kinds of miracles. Because behind every manifestation, there is a waiting. I mean, I don't want to fight someone who spent 12 hours, who spent the whole night waiting on God. He's going to speak one word. Oh my gosh. And we have that same possibility. We just need to go back to the closet and wait on God. When we pray, we receive encouragement and edification. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. It says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edified himself. To edify means to charge up yourself, to build yourself spiritually. Jesus said, watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Sometimes we fall because we are weak. That's why I love prayer in the middle of the week. You know, because the devil is a very smart devil. He knows you are all charged up on Sunday. He knows your faith is fire. He doesn't attack you on Sunday. He doesn't come on Monday because there's a residue of the anointing. But Wednesday, Thursday, the same Elijah... That performed many miracles. There's a Jezebel that puts him in the corner. And he's discouraged. He says, I'm the only one left. But God says, I've got 7,000 like you. That's the power of waiting on God. When we pray, we receive that comfort. When we pray, we receive revelation and insight. When we wait on him, we become So the purpose of us waiting on him is to become. Jesus knew how important their mission was. But he said, wait until you have received that power. You know, I don't don't have a better example. But there's something about when guys do drugs, when they go high. There's that moment it gets into your bloodstream. You just know, you just shake it up and you know that something has happened. Am I speaking to someone? The same way there's something about when the grace of God descends upon your life. There's something about when we evoke the power and the presence of God in prayer. We are so empowered 
to begin that day. Sometimes it's better for us to create our worlds through prayer before we step out of our homes. Sometimes it's better to speak to our mountains. Sometimes it's better to speak to our lions before we step out of God's closet, out of our closet. In conclusion, we are making a decision to wait upon God. And somebody may be saying, what if I wait one hour, two hours, and he doesn't show up? But I need to understand that God is not like that. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. It says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. We don't understand that God is the most impatient when it comes to blessing his children. God is not saying, let me see if it's got faith like a mustard seed. God is looking for every excuse to anoint you, to empower you. God said, I can't wait for them to say the closing prayer. I mean, here is Peter teaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the normal protocol, the pastor should preach and then raise an altar call and say, those of you that want to receive, come forward. And God said, no, 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 no. I don't have time. I am ready. I said, okay, as many of them heard, anybody here that got two ears, I'm going to anoint them. And that's how hasty he is to bring to pass his purposes in our lives. God is more eager to fellowship with us, to impart us with grace, with wisdom and power. Many years ago, I was discussing with my mother because I grew up in my primary school in a Catholic church. So my first um, six years in school was in the Catholic. I learned so many hymns and all of that. <laughs> then it was a struggle because if you missed the notes, we had these teachers with the long cane. <laughs> it had very sharp ears. So singing wasn't a talent. Singing was survival. And then I moved from there to my parents' church. They were strong Orthodox Christians. So I couldn't join the choir because most of the singing were like angels, the oohs, the ahs, and all of that. And when I got into college, I got saved in the Pentecostal church, filled with the Holy Ghost. I remember that day, I was praying in tongues, and my mind was like, you're going crazy. I mean, you've just done something crazy today. And I kept struggling in my mind. But years later... With the grace of God at work in my life, one day my mother comes to me and says, I don't understand this prayer thing. I want to pray like you do. And I began to teach her from scripture. It is not so difficult to receive the grace of God. It says in Luke 11 verse 13, he says, if Luke 11, he says, if ye then being evil, talking about the Holy Spirit, know how to give gift unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them? Sometimes people around us make God so mysterious and mystical. You've got to do this, you've got to do this to get the anointing, to get the power, to pray to God. But he is ever ready. God is looking for every excuse to bless you, to anoint you, to guide you. I've never heard of a situation where someone called on God and God did not show up. That is not the God of the Bible. My question for us as I close today, he is ever ready to anoint us for victory, 
to lead and guide us through our dark seasons, to strengthen and assure us. God is always waiting. But the question is, are you ready to wait? I want us to rise up to our feet today. God is every, always ready. He is always ready. He can never turn back on his word. He promises that every time we connect to his presence, he will release that anointing. And I just want us to just connect to God and say, Dear Heavenly Father, this morning I come unto you. I just wanted to speak from your heart. I'm not going to tell you what to say, but I just want you to talk to God. I want this to be the turning point in your prayer life. I want you to begin to experience a higher dimension in your prayer life. I want you to begin to experience the grace of God. I don't know about someone. Maybe you've been struggling to pray. Maybe you've been struggling to read your Bible. I pray for you as we gather in his presence that a fire, a hunger, and a passion for the things of God will be given unto you in this season in the mighty name of Jesus. Every time we gather to worship, to fellowship, the presence of God is always there. We don't need to struggle to look for God. He is ever ready. Wherever you are, I just want to lift up your hands and just talk to God. You can worship. You can pray. You know, the best kind of prayer that I enjoy is the one where there's nothing really to pray about. We just want to talk to God. We just want to be ourselves in his presence. We just want to enjoy and fellowship at his feet. Come on, just go ahead and be yourself this morning. Just enjoy the presence of God. Just express yourself in the way that you know how to. Glorious God. Father, today we come to worship you. As a church, we lift our voices, we lift our hearts unto you. We ask that you anoint us as fresh in the mighty name of Jesus. Let the fire of your Holy Spirit, let your grace be poured out over everyone in this house. Let there be a change. Let there be a transformation in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. We pray for every home represented here this morning. Let the altar, the fire on the altar, let it burn brighter in the mighty name of Jesus. For those that may be weak, let there be an encouragement. We pray for a move of your spirit. You said in the last days you will pour out your spirit upon all flesh. Uh, old men will begin to dream dreams. Young men will see visions. Uh, men and women will begin to prophesy. Lord, release your grace, your oil and your fire upon this house, Lord. Uh, let us thirst for your presence, Lord. Thank you because you have given us your spirit as an inheritance. As we go to work on Monday, as we go about our various life situations, as we go back to those questions that don't have answers, we ask that you step in, Lord. Step in by your Holy Spirit. Step in with a solution, Father. We give you thanks and praise. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Can we say another amen?